The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the penultimate episode of Season 1 of Star Trek Prodigy called Supernova Part 1. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hey, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hey, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well. Uh, Folks, be sure to get your very own Secrets of Star Trek merchandise by visiting sqpn.com slash merch. I want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy called The Catholics of Oz, and you can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash Oz. That's O-Z. And before we get into things, we are recording this today uh, on uh, the December 26th, and I want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas. And a happy feast of Stephen. Happy <laughs> feast of Stephen. And Boxing Day. And Boxing and Day. Boxing Day. Uh, Wrestling got, Day. Wrestling Day, too, for yes. that matter. <laughs> <laughs> I got my some of the Boxing Day joke. I gave an empty box as a gift. So, oh. <laughs> so let's talk about Prodigy. Jimmy, can you give us a recap of what happens in part one of Supernova? Last time, Asensio lured the Federation fleet to where the protostar came out of warp and biological Janeway was put in the bridge. This time, biological Janeway talks her way out of the brig brig, not bridge. Um, but she doesn't talk her way out in time to stop the Dauntless from attacking the Protostar and taking down its shields. While that happens, Dal kisses Gwyn, and Gwyn breaks his heart by telling him Starfleet doesn't accept augments, though he quickly decides to help anyway. With the Protostar's shields down, Asensia assumes her true form, and she, the Diviner, and her Dreadnought beam over. A fight ensues, and Asensia holds Gwen hostage. The Diviner seemingly has his final face turn, but Asensia mortally wounds him. She opens a comm channel to the fleet, and all the ships are infected. Asensia then escapes using her Dreadnought as a space capsule, Gwen has a tearful reconciliation with the Diviner, after which he disintegrates, and the Federation ships start attacking each other. As part of the interference, their universal translators go offline, but Gwen knows multiple languages and uses them to ask for help. She convinces non-Federation allies, including the Klingons, to come and use their shields to keep the Federation ships from destroying each other. But it turns out that the Federation ships have auto-SOS signals, so when they're in danger, they automatically call for backup. New Federation ships start showing up and are immediately infected, creating a cascading, unwinnable situation. No amount of allies will stop the destruction of Starfleet, and there is no solution. Except for time travel, but they haven't realized that yet. The end. Uh, I want to kind of commend them for taking this to the limit. There were no easy outs. They didn't like wave Mm -hmm. a hand at it and make it go away. They took this like to the very worst part (laughs) way it could go. You know, the very worst situation. The construct is released 
and ships are destroyed and people are presumably killed. And, and it's, mm-hmm. so they really take this for, again, for an animated show aimed at kids. They really take this to the limit. I can imagine if my kids are watching this, they would be very stressed out waiting for the season finale, the, the second yeah. part. Uh, so what did you guys think? Oh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think they, they did a good job. As Jimmy points out, you know, of course, there are ways that they can go that they, they likely will to kind of hand wave this away. But still, the fact that they show the ships completely, you know, destroying each other. You see parts of ships flying, you know, floating in space. You see, you know, explosions and all that kind of stuff. You know, you don't see the, the bodies going out into the vacuum of space like you do in, you know, like other Trek series. But you still, I mean, or they, they Battlestar definitely. Galactica. Or Battlestar yeah. Galactica. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, they, they, and, and they they do leave it at there's no hope. There's no chance. You know, they thought, oh, we got this solved, you know, just have enough uh, other ships show up and take care of the problem. Oh, not quite. How about you, Jimmy? Yeah, I liked it. It was I, I'm looking forward to seeing part two. I'm glad they subverted the standard Star Trek ending of we've talked and now we're all together and united. And it's like, I I liked how they foreshadowed also that this isn't going to work with the Klingons. Mm -hmm. It's like, why should I intervene? Which is a totally Klingon response. Mm -hmm. And so I can, you know, I I thought, okay, they're going to, this is going to, this is not believable that the Klingon is going to go along this easily. And it wasn't. And um, and so that was good. But then it, it taking it to the next level of, OK, and the allies don't work right. is and we've we so our typical we're all together now ending isn't the real ending. That's good. I like not having that be the ending. I wonder if it was kind of a, a poke at discovery of, you know, we're together in our togetherness. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was thinking of the same thing about the like the Klingon reaction. and. I was wondering, too, like, is this how Klingons would react? Does this seem true to their nature? Mm-hmm. And on the one hand, you know, because it's like selfless self-sacrifice. Right. There's selfless self-sacrifice. Um, but I was thinking, let's, this is not honorable battle. This is a deception uh, perpetrated mm-hmm. on Starfleet by the Solomites, you know, that sort of thing. And I could see where a Klingon would react that way. Although... It was interesting because didn't they have they had Gorn show up, which I thought was interesting. But also, was it Breen? I forget the other cultures that showed up. I don't think they said Breen. I know they said Gorn and they mentioned a couple of others. Ferengi. Yeah, that was another mm-hmm. one. Yeah, there's a Ferengi ship that showed up. Yeah. Yeah. So, I assume the Klingons didn't contact them directly. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I thought that was interesting to that they they called them up and they came. So that was mm-hmm. kind of fascinating. Mm-hmm. So now, you, you just reminded me, Dom, of a um, of uh, a, a, a missionary story. There's a book um, in Christian missiology called The Peace Child, which is about the anthrop- anthropological difficulties of communicating the gospel story cross-culturally, mm-hmm. um, because there is a um, there's a tribe somewhere. I forget where. Maybe Latin America, but there's a tribe where the cool thing to do is get really close to someone and get them to trust you and then betray them. And Mm. that's considered really cool. And so missionaries were having a hard problem communicating the gospel with Judas. Right. Yeah. And and Judas was just kinking up their works and in, in explaining the gospel. Um, because all of a sudden everybody's thinking what Judas is doing is really cool. 
And um, they found an alternative, and this is why the book is called The Peace Child. Um, the tribe apparently had a custom of exchanging a child when they made peace. And this mm-hmm. is actually like in in New Gods, in Jack Kirby's New Gods comic series, where light, where um, Orion and Calabac have been exchanged by New Genesis and Apocalypse as part of a peace treaty. Um, but they then ex- were able to explain Jesus as God's peace child to make peace with us. Mm-hmm. But. But the your mention of Klingons and how they would react to this kind of deception, you know, um, right. Brought that to mind. Yeah. 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 I mean, so it works. I'm not sure I understand the Gorn showing up unless the Gorn consider themselves to be allies of the Federation at this point, which is a long way from Strange New Worlds, I guess. Mm. Well, it's 200 years, uh, more, yeah. uh, more than 100 years from Strange New yeah. Worlds because yeah. the Gorn... You know, the the we're post Voyager and that's post next gen, which is 80 years after TOS, which right. is 10 years after after um, Strange, New, Strange New, Worlds. New Worlds. I guess. I mean, well, do you think about it? You know, 80 years ago, we were enemies with Japan and Germany. And now the United States is friends with <laughs> Germany. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, OK, I can I can buy that. Mm-hmm. So in the start, we you mentioned that Janeway is in the break. Uh, and she's being guarded by the security officer. And at first, I think, you know, it's just generic security officer. But it turns out that Janeway has an unknown history with this particular security yep. officer, uh, which she references to a, a Voyager episode, uh, which I don't remember off the top of my head. It's the fifth season episode, Counterpoint. And mm-hmm. in that episode, Janeway helps lies to help some refugees um, be protected from a sp- a, a race that's insisting on inspecting Voyager and and Janeway is right. refugees. We have no refugees here. Mm, um, yeah. And it turns out the security officer who I had thought just from the brief glimpse of her we got at the end of the last episode, I thought it was Asensia, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It's it's another female officer who looks like Asensia until you see that she doesn't have the trill markings on her face. Right. She's got a, a weird, weird um, nose bump. place. place between her eyes instead yeah yeah and she was one of the refugees and Mm -hmm. she was like a little girl at the time and now she's grown up which is why Janeway doesn't recognize her also kind of like that um that Janeway doesn't know everybody on her ship because Mm -hmm. realistically I mean you might have seen their names on a report or something but you won't know everybody at sight if you're on a big ship right right yeah the Dauntless is much bigger than Voyager was, so it wouldn't have just a couple hundred people on board. There, you know, yeah. it might not be a thousand, but it, it's going to be a much larger crew, right? So. Yeah. Although, frankly, I did find it unrealistic. If I, because this means she's a non-Federation member of Starfleet, and if I was a captain, I'm pretty sure I would know every non-Federation member of, of Starfleet in my crew. How did they? I, I mean, we'll probably talk about this when we talk about that Voyager episode. But how did they get? To the how could she get into Starfleet from so, the uh, the Delta Quadrant? Did they come so through for, a wormhole? Yeah. So th- this episode was um to jog your memory on this one, Dom. The Brenari, the, the race of this this ensign, were um telepaths, and they were going through an area of space where the the, the ruling group, the ruling race, oh, were anti telepathic, right? And so, so they had to hide the telepaths on Voyager, including Tuvok. And of course, the big disclosure at the end is Tuvok showing up right as they leave their space and, you know, that, things right. like that. And then they had a uh, 
there was a wormhole they went through. And I don't I don't remember if they ever said where the wormhole went. Apparently, they're implying that the wormhole actually went close to Federation space, which, of course, then brings the question. And why didn't Voyager follow him in? <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> there was a couple of those uh, episodes in Voyager. Okay, all right. That jogs my memory. Now I remember that episode. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I had to look the episode up too. I couldn't remember it at, at first, but it, it's yeah. like once I saw, it's like, oh yeah, now I, I remember that one. Not quite as memorable as the Salamander episode that we had <laughs> that Jamie no, referenced. No, I only remember right away. <laughs> <laughs> so we get Admiral Jellico showing up again. Ronnie Cox reprising his role. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, I love Ronnie Cox. He's yeah, you'll, you'll have to hate him. <laughs> and, and I don't, I don't hate him. I mean, not no. in this, not in this role. No, uh, he's no. as as Jellico. He's he's once again reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, he he is uh, he comes across as incredulous when he's told Janeway is on medical leave, and it's like she was fine. What are you talking about? Um, but he doesn't have time to dwell on that because he, he's been told there's an unknown weapon on the protostar. So he knows at least he knows that the weapon exists, not necessarily mm-hmm. what it does. Um, and, but he, he says, I'm told there's an unknown weapon on the protostar. Tell me there is a plan. Right. Yeah. And so he's very busy. He's, he's very business focused. He's very reasonable. That's true. That's mm-hmm. true. I, I think it's history, Ronnie Cox, also mm-hmm. on Stargate. He likes he likes <laughs> to play kind of the slimy politician, Sea Voyager, or SG-1, excuse <laughs> SG-1, me. Yeah, Stargate, Stargate SG-1, where he does plays it so well. <laughs> yep. So uh, so they do, with Asensia kind of manipulating things behind the scenes, they do knock down the shields of the Protostar. Um, they... Uh, they have to hotwire the controls because the, the construct still has control of the protostar and of hollow Janeway. And so they've, it's locked them out. And so they can't run. And so zero hotwires, the controls, they boost the shields and they start maneuvering among the other ships to avoid the fire, which is a good tactic. Uh, and because it would be you know hard to not cause crossfire mm-hmm. and hit your, your allies. And they're, it's interesting to see them now versus when they first had the ship because they're pretty competent with this ship at this point. It, it's mm-hmm. an interesting progression that they've made, the kids have made. It's interesting to see how, I think it's somewhat somewhat subtle, how they've become competent with this thing. And I like yeah. that. They, they've learned how, how the ship handles, how to how to do maneuvers on it and stuff like that. And very impressive. I liked, you know, the, of course, you see this massive fleet of ships you know, there and the, you know, you, you, very recognizable classes and everything. Oh, yeah. Well, one of the ships you saw was a, not just a defiant class, but the USS defiant. Oh, yes. was it? I noticed um, the defiant class. I didn't know the registry. Yeah. They show, there's just one little scene where they show the top of it. You see defiant USS defiant on yep. it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, 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 they probably won't happen, but it would be really cool if we had one of the DS nine characters voiced that would be just cool. for a short thing. You know, you see, you know, Jedzia Dax or somebody like that or Worf. Well, Jedzia would be dead at this point, but Kira. Not Jedzia, excuse me. Not, not, well, not Jedzia, excuse me. The, the other. Yeah. Uh, Esri. Esri Dax. Esri. Yeah. Sorry. You know, according to Memory Alpha, this, the Enterprise E is also there, which I'm not. I didn't no, there, see there the was name. a Sovereign class. There was yeah. a Sovereign class. There was the actual it, USS Sovereign. I saw that on the yeah. hall. Um, and some others, um, like, like some interesting ones like a Kira class and some other things that I'm not sure. I've seen it lately. I think it, 
in I think I've seen them in DS9, mm-hmm. but yeah, so it's really fun if you're a ship geek like like it, I am. I was gonna yeah, see ship geeks. It's like <laughs> okay, there yeah. are some ships and they're fighting each other. I know. Hey, I, I I still mm-hmm. hold in Star Trek the ships are as much a character as the yeah. the human actors. So well, I'm an airplane geek and a you know oh, same here. and a real same world here, so floating get- uh, ship geek too. So I, I, I love that stuff, <laughs> uh, no matter what era. So uh, Dell. It, it becomes apparent, can clear. He still doesn't know that augments will not be allowed in Starfleet. He kind of, you know, says we need to hold back and not shoot at them because, you know, we don't want to end up shooting at Starfleet and end up not being able to get in. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, what was it? Jankum was about to tell him, or was it Rock was about to tell him? Rock, Rock, Rock. And Gwyn sort of jumps in and you know stops her, cuts her off. Yeah, yep. but she eventually does. Tell him she. They go to the armory, and I've I've got something to confess to you, Dell. And Dell does the whole like oh the teenage boy thing, and not always a teenage boy where he thinks that yeah. she's what's you know is confessing her feelings for him and goes to, and kisses her, and she's like yeah uh, we're just friends awkward scene <laughs> <laughs> awkward I just think, scene I think of you as a friend um, yeah <laughs> I'm glad they paid off the uh, I mean because yeah. given given the circumstances of the cast of characters this is the obvious pairing yeah um, and you know they're they're similar ages they're similar body types they're the most mature in some of, of at least in terms of personality of the characters regardless of their ages and and it's obvious you know to explore do are our Dal and, and Gwen going to be a thing and i would assume that uh, now that they've crossed that line i assume we're in for more exploration of of that pairing right right yeah i mean they, yeah they're the most alike in a, in yeah. a, in a low key way yes yes with the kids show um, and you, and then when she you know tells him though look she kind of doesn't get derailed too much by it, but she tells him the truth, and Dal kind of takes it in a mature way where he says, well look yeah. if I can't get into Starfleet I'm going to do everything I can to make sure you guys can, and again he's progressed he's become much more mature from the Dal we saw at the beginning of the series which is really nice. Um, so. Yeah, you mentioned in the recap, Jimmy, that the Universal Translator goes out, the construct is trying to prevent them from communicating and working together. And it was reminded of back on whatever the original planet was, where they were being forced. Tars Lamora. Tars Lamora, thank you. Just just remember, it's an anagram of a moral star. Oh, right. Which Yes, which was the episode title. Um, And because that'll help me. They were mining for a mineral. that was that was just a pretext, right? It was all part of a, a mm-hmm. cover for them digging up the per- looking for the protostar. Well, the, the mineral the mineral was a, an, an obtainium, you know, that was very expensive and it kept, you know, basically raised the money to keep looking for the protostar. Okay, okay, that's what it was. Okay, just I was kind of rem- trying to remember the premise from that very beginning over a year ago at this point. Yeah. Um, oh, oh. B- before we move on, we we. Uh, didn't tie up why the ensign with the backstory with Janeway. Oh yeah, is yeah. significant because Janeway mm-hmm. is being held in the brig. It's thought she's crazy, and she's like, "No, listen to me. I'm telling you the truth. This is what's going on. If you if you knew me, you would know I'm telling you the truth that I couldn't be mm-hmm. lying about this or making this up." And the ensign, we have a fake out 
with the incident right. where she says, oh, but I do know you. You lied to those telepath hating ship inspectors. Yep. And and we're thinking, oh, great. She's um, she 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 doesn't trust Janeway. She's because it's like you lied. So you right. you could be lying about this is the implication. And um, and and then she reveals, no, I was one of the telepath refugees. I totally mm-hmm. trust you. Come on out. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And so she lets her out. And that's because that's how we get off the last episode. Cliffhanger is Jamie gets left out. She runs to the bridge. Um, but it's too late to, to stop. Asensia is leading the boarding party, as you mentioned. Disables them so that uh, the diviner and dreadnought can go with her, um, and just like we need to take out everyone on that ship, and he keeps saying, except for my progeny, Gwen. right? Yeah, yeah, and and so mm. he's still. You can see that turn. He's changed. He's a different man now. Ever since that encounter with Zero and the you know the Medusa effect, um. So the Dreadnought is keep. I don't know if it's just the Dreadnought or just Dreadnought. I think they're all called Dreadnoughts. They all are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, this is her Dreadnought. And uh, he's keeping everyone busy while the Vindicator and Diviner take the bridge, disable Hollow Janeway. And they're all disabled, all the kids, ex- except then Murphy comes in to save the Murph, not Murphy. Murph, uh, autocorrect <laughs> in my notes. Murph comes in to save the day and almost does. Until mm-hmm. yeah. I, 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 there's more to Murph than meets the eye. I'm still convinced of that. I want to see what more. Well, he's always get. showing a lot more that he can. He can. He knows kung fu. So I mean, yeah, yes, yeah. There is a way to to defeat him though, which is freeze him because <laughs> right. he's made he's made out of goo. Yes, yes. He's almost a Groot. You know what I mean? Like the the in the mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Groot is single, you know, monosyllabic <laughs> or not. Mon- yes, monosyllabic, you know, and, and all this other stuff. And he feels kind of like the Groot of this crew. Um, and then and you mentioned, Jimmy, the diviner's heel turn where he he really faced face turn face turn. Right. Right. Heel is the bad thing. Face turn where he, you know, he tries to be do the right thing, tries to turn on the Vindicator and is unsuccessful. Um and you mean the vin- yes, yeah, the vindicator, yep, yep, um, sense, yeah, and she kills him, which is mm-hmm. kind of interesting that they've killed off this major antagonist that they've had, we've had all season. Well, this I don't really believe he's dead. <laughs> okay, um, because he says he's talking to Essentia about you know she she doesn't know how she's going to find their home world. And so forth. And it's like, and he says, you know, there's nothing we can't do. So uh, this is a, I'm going to, if you strike me down, Essentia, I'm going to become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. And we're going to have used the Force Gwen later. Yeah. Or I was something, say, something like that. Yeah. He kind of gets absorbed. It's like he gets yeah. absorbed into Gwen and That's she kind of grows from that. So, okay. Yeah. So she, yeah, she's absorbed. So that, him yeah that could be season two is Gwen going to their home world and trying to prevent the civil war that destroyed it could be if the if the resolution of the supernova incident is of this of this battle is them going back in time to stop it ever from ever occurring by going to solemn and stopping the protostar from going forward in time with chakotay and all the Mm -hmm. all the others um uh that would be interesting because yeah they have to go get chakotay I said they have to go 
forward in time to send the protostar back. That's what yeah. it is. So this this is before the first contact of with Solemn. Right, right, right. So that's probably yeah, that's my guess is that's probably the resolution is they have to go forward in time to save Chicote and his crew and send them back to before to you know to right after they left or whatever. They they have yeah. to go somewhere in time. Yeah. 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 We'll see. We'll see what that is. Yeah. Yeah. Also, you know, I wibbly wanted- wibbly timey wimey and you know, <laughs> yeah. wait, that's wrong series. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to note a couple of small technological items. One of them is uh, in the fight with the kids. Dreadnought uses a gravity mine, yep. which is mm-hmm. which is nice. Um, it is it creates uh, higher gravity locally and he uses it to pin Jacob under rock. Who yep. can't move against the heavier gravity and and i'm getting the feeling that rock is like really straining to not totally crush jankum yeah exactly <laughs> that would have to be pretty high gravity because uh, yeah. the brick cars come from a high gravity world to begin with so um mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> i'm afraid of poor, poor jankum becoming a smush on the deck um, <laughs> she, she really shouldn't come from a high gravity world though if she's that big the the higher the gravity the smaller the creatures are going to tend to be right but, Smaller but stronger, right? Well, but yeah. she's you know when, when we finally saw the kids with with the crew of the Dauntless, she's basically human sized, you know, human yeah. adult sized. Right. She's because all the other kids be. are small. You know, they're all really yeah. okay, short compared. You know, I I remember the original Brickar when Star Trek was in that uh, Peter David novel that mm-hmm. he did, uh, which was they were really good and talking about the brick car in that instance. And I, I don't remember exactly how he explained them, but I'm going to guess, uh, you know, they are a rock based creatures and we've seen other rock based creatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, so kind of interesting. Yeah. The, the other technological note I wanted to mention is Essencia has an heirloom just like Gwen yeah, and that she can telepathically control and it emerges during, so you have this heirloom duel between Essencia and Gwen, and then the Diviner intervenes in it. Uh, he comes in and says, before I had progeny, that was mine. Right. And he assumes control of Gwen's heirloom and fires it as, as mm-hmm. a projectile at Essencia, and she catches it telepathically and flings it back at him, and that's how he gets impaled. Right, right. right. So, yeah, th- I like that. That heirloom thing is a really kind of cool little detail. Mm-hmm. I like I like the mm-hmm. that addition. So, um, the so I was gonna think, so that everything kind of goes bad. The construct gets activated. Um, Dal comes up with the idea of asking non-Starfleet ships to use their shields to protect the, the Starfleet ships, and and it's nice. Gwyn uses her knowledge of languages. It's not mm-hmm. she's not dependent on a universal translator. She. She's got Duolingo in her head. She's out there mm-hmm. uh, talking in their actual languages to people to get them to come to the help. I like the way they introduce the translator going offline because they don't make a they let us experience it first. Jankum is just talking about some technical matter and all of a sudden he's using words that don't that aren't English. Right. And and so you have this effect of it going off and then Rock starts talking and you hear this very different non little girl childlike <laughs> sound of her rasping yeah. right and um and in the if you're watching it with subtitles on it'll say speaking in tellerite for for jankum mm-hmm. and speaking in 
alien language or speaking in brick R or something for rock. Um, but it's nice the way they just introduce it without telling you it's about to go offline. Mm. Brick yeah. R voices apparently sound like rocks grinding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't be surprising. Yep. But you yep. get to figure out what's going on alongside the characters. Right, yep. right. Um, and uh, Dal has a line where he says, you know, because in the infinite of space, we all need to know there's a place that will accept us no matter how different we are. That's Dude, his- <laughs> it's clear the universal translator is on is offline because infinite is an adjective. You need that modifying a noun. <laughs> it's to be infinity <laughs> of space. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, you mentioned how, yeah, the allies show up, the Klingons, the Ferengi, the Gorn, but then more Starfleet ships show up and it's a bloodbath. Yeah. And uh, well, in, in one one thing you point out is not just allies, it's it's non-Starfleet because you see Vulcans show up and they're not right. affected. Vulcan ships show up and they're not affected. So, yes, yes. It's all very specifically Starfleet ships, which is interesting. Not even just Federation, but uh, it was I memory Alpha says a Patarian bulk freighter. Ferengi, Vulcan, Gorn. So mm-hmm. uh, interesting. So, and, you know, they can't warp away. They can't stop the signal. So what can they do? And that's where we end the episode in the big cliffhanger. Um, and as we talked about, you know, how will they resolve it? Maybe with time travel. So what do you all, <laughs> what do you all, uh, any last thoughts on this episode before we, we finish up? Uh, Father Nothing Gordon? here, is it? Good, like I said at the beginning, it's you know it's a good effective cliffhanger to end this end the uh, season. Um, you know everybody's in dire straits. We don't know what's going to happen, and you know I you know as you know we mentioned a couple of times for a kids show, this is actually fairly impressive that they're, they're they didn't take the easy way out on this. Mm. Jimmy, I like the auto SOS feature on the ships because it makes sense. You have a computer monitoring ship systems and. Um, if, if, and, and monitoring the battle they're in. So in, in whatever situation the ship is in, so it could easily determine, okay, we've been damaged so much, or we're in a situation that's dangerous enough. We need to call for backup and have that be done automatically. By the way, note to Starfleet shields should also come up automatically without anyone (laughs) having to say shields up. Um, (laughs) Right. And it it it'll be interesting to see how they resolve all this next week. Um, I'm wondering how many seasons we're going to get. I'm guessing two. Um, mm-hmm. I and and that's a respectable number for a children's show to have two full seasons um, in in series like this where mm-hmm. they have story arcs. Now, if there's no story arc, um, like in Phineas and Ferb, for example, you can have as many seasons as you want. Because yeah. there's, there, you're not going anywhere. You're just doing your shtick every week. But if there is a story arc where you're telling a complete story, I've seen, um, <clears throat> I've seen kids shows work at two seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, Scooby Doo Mystery Inc. is the best of the incarnations of Scooby Doo as a TV mm-hmm. series, and it has a two season arc. You you put them in a really bad space in the middle of at the end of the first season, and then they win the whole thing by the end of the second season. Um, I I mean, they could be plotting it out longer. I gather some of the Star Wars animated series, CGI mm-hmm. animated series have longer series arcs. Oh, yeah. But um, but this is aimed, I think, at a bit of a younger audience than they were. 
and 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 I I don't know that they're going to have you know three year or longer story arcs right. for the age of the audience they're going for. Yeah. 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 We do know they renewed for season two, but beyond that. And the way that they're drawing it out over time, I mean, yeah. it's already been 18 months just for season one. Um, I could see where they would not want to draw it out, you know, and make this a five year season, three season story, uh, story, that sort of thing. The kids will age out by the time <laughs> that comes around. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I could see that. I could see that maybe we're looking to just a second season and, and out. Which would be fine, which I think as long as we tell the whole story, that's what's important. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Very good. I think that does it then for us before we get to our, our season finale. Uh, finally, after all this time, next time. <laughs> so uh, before we go, I want to take a moment to thank our patrons and make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek, including Dalton H., Hind DP., James M., Rick H., and Adam C., their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So we'd love to know what you think of this first part of the season finale, Supernova. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash trek, our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Media. Send an email to trek at sqpn.com or visit our Discord community at sqpn.com slash Discord. You can watch The Secrets of Star Trek in full video on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash starquestmedia. We'll be back next time. As I said, we'll be discussing Supernova Part 2. But until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing The Secrets of Star Trek. Thank you, Dom. Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thank you and live logs and proper. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember, Jenkin calls that maneuver the slippery dipsy doodle. Hi, everyone. This is Dom Bettinelli, CEO of StarQuest, with a special message. This past year, the StarQuest Network has continued to expand our mission of exploring the intersection of faith and pop culture through our many entertaining and informative programs. Now we need your generous financial support to keep producing the shows you love and to reach new audiences with more of the life-changing and uplifting programming we've been creating for more than a decade. That's why it's very important that we hear from you this Advent and Christmas, the time when nonprofits receive most of their support for the year. If you are already a supporter of StarQuest, we thank you and ask you to prayerfully consider increasing your support at this time. If you're not yet a supporter, please become one now. Every gift counts. Could you give $15 or even just $10 per month? Whatever level of support you can offer, please show your support for SQPN this Christmas. And remember that your gifts are tax deductible. Just go to sqpn.com slash give. That's sqpn.com slash give. May God bless you this Advent and may you have a blessed Christmas season.